looking at comparison this morning. This is something that uh, has really been on my heart for a good couple of months. Uh, I've been given the incredible privilege of speaking at Soul Survivor in the summer and just really been asking God what to speak on. And this is part of what has been on my heart. So it's just been kind of mulling over the back of my mind. But we compare everything, don't we? We compare measurements. We compare distances. The first thing my dad did uh, when he, well, I did when my dad said, right, we're moving. So I'm used to doing a three-hour journey from here, door to door, to a garage in the Lake District. And then it would be meeting a boat. And it sounds really lovely, but at half 12 at night, it's a bit knackering. And then getting the boat across to his island. Well, he didn't own it. I just put that out there. It was rented. Um, and that was great. It was 178 miles. And it was three hours journey door to door. Tells me he's moving. I'm like, yes. We'd shown him these lovely houses in Clent. We'd shown him lovely houses in um, Ironbridge, Dunbridge North. And he announces Torquay. Brilliant. So the first thing I do is route finder, 177 miles, 2 hours 45. So I get, I get one less mile to travel. I get 15 minutes extra. But we compare, don't we? We compare journeys. We compare distances. We compare lifestyles. We compare hairstyles. We compare working conditions. We compare working hours. We start to compare body shapes. We start to compare fashion. John made quite an interesting comment to Lizzie yesterday. We drove past somebody. He went, Lizzie, if you hadn't met all of us, you'd be looking like that right now. And she went, uh, not sure. There wasn't enough hot pink. And then we noticed there was hot pink on her shoes. So, um, yeah, we do compare. And sometimes we can get really sucked into society says you should look like this. Do this. Have this. Be like this. That is what you should be. It's airbrushed. It's fictional. But hands up who gets sucked in. We all do. We get sucked into fashion. We get sucked into what we should look like. Joe's totally sucked in. We've been praying for him for months. Jokes, Joe. Um, but we do get sucked in. We are all square pegs. And society has made this beautiful round hole that we should fit into. And it doesn't matter what we do. We are never going to fit in that hole. Because that hole is something that's unobtainable. It's unrealistic. We're never going to fit in. And then we can start judging ourselves for not fitting that beautiful round hole. And that can lead to anxiety or depression, just generally feeling a bit miserable, feeling a bit rubbish about ourselves. And it's not a good place to be in. There was a, somebody did some stuff with numbers and things with Barbie. And the fact if Barbie was made into a real person, she'd fall over. Her feet are too small. Certain assets are too big. Her head's not the right shape for her neck. She's not real. And yet our girls, growing up, seem to think that's what perfection should be and we have to teach them it's not real. I know my brother used to always think that he should look like Action Man and he actually took Action Man to my mum. Don't please tell him this. Um, and he, oh, it's being recorded. Don't tell him to look on the website. Um, and he said, I want my hair like this and took Action Man to my mum. I never had Barbie. I had Cindy and Cindy always had hair like this so I didn't want to be like Cindy. And, and he used to knot it as well. But we can't live up to these stereotypes. We can't live up to these things we don't fit in and then then we don't know who we should be and it can make us feel where should I be what should I be who really am I and even within the church we can start to compare ourselves to other, oh I wish I could be like that I wish I could play like that or be like that or sing like that or dance like that or or pray like that or preach like that
but God has made each one of us perfect. And when you start to get to know Jesus and find out that that, that round peg hole over there is not actually meant for you, that actually in God's heart, he has multiple square pegged holes that only fit you. There's only one hole, Sam, that you'll fit into, and that's God's heart. And there's one hole that only you will fit into. But we get so caught up in trying to be somebody else or just trying to be better. And there's a longing in our heart that, that kind of, not, I'm not quite sorted yet. And that's because God's designed every one of us to be in a relationship with him. Because only he can truly give you that satisfaction. Only he can truly make you feel at peace. There's a couple of Bible verses I want to share with you. I love. There's one page in my Bible that if you have a look at it, it just has dates and underlinings and highlights because just it speaks to me so much. And Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. The world does not give you things that last forever. They break. Promises are broken. All of us totally intend to be honest. Nobody ever makes a promise thinking, I'm going to break this. But we all know it could happen. But when God promises you peace, when God promises you to be there for you, it will happen. And when we become a Christian, there's a passage in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And after um, my A-levels, I went to Soul Survivor Church and I, and I lived there for six months and we did a training course. And we did Secret Santa, but we did Secret Easter because it was February to September. And you had to find a way, in, in the equivalent of a halls of residence, how to get your Easter egg or Easter present Easter card to that person's room without anyone seeing you. Well, us girls lived on this one long corridor and the lads aren't allowed on the girls' corridor, and the girls aren't allowed in the lads' corridor. And all I know is it was a lad that gave me my Easter egg, but that's all I know. And to this day, I still don't know who gave me my Easter egg. But my Easter egg came down from the roof. It was the size of a balloon. It had been done on, like, pouring dripping chocolate on a balloon. It was huge, and they had iced on it that Bible verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And I was really struggling with different parts of me that were just still not being given over to God. Bits of my personality that I just knew weren't right. And I needed God just to come in and take over. And that is stuck with me. And I just remember walking back into my room. And I'd opened my door. My window was straight opposite my door. And this massive egg was just dangling on a piece of string, knocking on my window. And as I took my, the egg in... I just wanted to peg it to the roof to find out who it was. And when I got there, I just found a piece of string attached to the roof, so I still couldn't find out who had delivered it. But I just sat, I came back to my room and just sat there. And it broke my heart, but in a good way. Going, come on, Lord, you just have it. Have these parts of me that aren't of you, where I compare myself to other people. Only God can make us new. Only God can take away those things. 
God asked us to be more like Jesus. Now, if you've traveled the road of Christianity for a while, you'll realize Jesus is perfect. He never sinned. He never lied. He never hurt anybody. He never broke a promise. There's no way I can measure up to that. That's even more, I'm even more deluded than trying to get to society's round hole. But God says, through me, I can make you new. And back in John, Jesus answered, uh, Thomas, one of his disciples, said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we want to get to know our Heavenly Father, and no matter what kind of heavenly, earthly Father you've had, he is perfect. He won't let you down. He won't turn his back on you. He won't hurt you. He will discipline you. And if there's stuff you're doing that's not right, he will tell you off or he will remove it. But that's for your safety. And he is there for you. And Jesus says, you want to get to know him. If you want that amazing dad, you've got to get to know me. Because I am there for you. You come to get to know me. And if you want to get to know Jesus, talk to some of the guys here that have been walking that road. Read the Bible. And there's amazing Bible apps now that when you're in your car, you can press the audio and someone will read the Bible to you. You can get the Bible in, in video form anywhere you need it. And don't be turned off. It looks quite big. Okay, we don't have to read it all cover to cover, start to finish in one go. We can take different bits and let God speak to us. So God's offering us to get to know us. God's offering us peace. And slightly later on, Jesus says this. Remain in me and I will remain in you. So there's another promise. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If you want goodness to be coming out of your life, if you want those um, parts of Jesus to, to grow in you, then you need to stay with Jesus. And he promises he will stay with you. And as I was writing this down, I started thinking about what is it I want more of in my heart. And later on it says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Jesus chose, chose the cross. And we've looked back at Easter, the fact that he could have turned around and gone, that's too tough. No. But before I was even born, Jesus chose to give me a route to the Father. He chose to give me a travel plan to get to the Father. So we've got Jesus. And how do we measure up to Jesus? It's impossible. But with him, we become more like him. And they say that when, when two people spend a long enough time together, they start to finish off each other's sentences. They start to do things really similarly. And it's quite interesting. Uh, John and I uh, bought Dad some birthday presents uh, last week. We had breakfast with him. And John wrote the card. I wrapped the presents. If you ever get a present from us and it's wrapped neatly, it's me. If you get it in a carrier bag with some sellotape, it's from John. We, we, we love it. No, John doesn't believe in wrapping. It's a waste of time. Um, I love wrapping. I like to make it look pretty. So there's a bit of a joke that when it comes to my birthday, I get really nice bags. And all my presents come in really nice bags that I then recycle. So if you get a nice bag for your birthday, it's because I've upcycled it. So 
I'm wrapping this present up. Dad's going, oh, nice wrapping. And then he opens the car. He's like, oh, Ruthie, thank you. That's such a lovely comment. I was like, oh, I didn't write it. He went, yeah, you did. That's your writing. I said, no, that's John's. He's like, oh, even your handwriting is becoming the same. And it's true that when we become, spend so much time with somebody, you can finish each other's sentences off. You can get to know each other so well. And Jesus is just saying to you, spend time with me. It doesn't have to be in a pew with your head down in silence. It can be out on a walk around Bumble Hole. It can be worshipping. It can be in your car. It can be looking at a tree outside and going, flip, that's amazing that you made that. We just need to spend more time with Jesus. And we have to give over control to God. And we're going to watch a video in a minute because two guys can say it much better than me. Now, the Lord is a spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I love that because so many times I feel ensnared by society. I feel trapped by what I should be doing or how I should be doing it. And sometimes even with God, sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm just not doing this right. I'm rubbish at it. And God just goes, there's freedom. There is freedom to be with me. And you don't have to get it right all the time. We just have to be honest and with each other. There was a time when I was at Soul Survivor, and some of you know this, that um, Mike, who's the guy that heads it up, he still doesn't call me Ruth. And even on my wall where it says Ruth Williams on Facebook, and you wish me happy birthday, put Barney. Because when I met him, I didn't go by Ruth. I went by Barney. My maiden name was Barnes. And I had a real issue with, with who I was. I knew I was a child of God. I knew I was saved. I've been a Christian since I was seven. But for me to have acceptance with other people, I grew up in a school where everybody had a nickname for each other. Um, we still call each other those nicknames now when we're nearly 40. Um, and nobody had a nickname for me. Ruth, you couldn't really shorten anymore. Nobody lengthened it. And for me, that was like I wasn't quite accepted. I didn't quite have that intimate friendship with people because I didn't have that nickname. And I met a whole bunch of new people. It was great. I'll make up my own. So I just introduced myself as Barney. And that was fine. The big purple dinosaur hadn't actually hit the screens yet, so nobody mistook me for a children's cartoon character. And that was that. About two-thirds through that course, we had an amazing, amazing afternoon with three women that Mike calls his praying trio. And these women are hardcore, on-your-knees prayers. They're all 70-plus. They're all gray-haired and came in a little bit unsteady on their feet, but my word, these women could pray. And we had to introduce ourselves. And I said, Barney, they went, no, your real name. And it was like, oh, to get that name out of my mouth hurt. And I went, Ruth. And I kind of just waited for some comment and no comment came. And they started praying. And one of the things they said was there's renown in your name. You've been given a name for a purpose. That is what God called you to be. And from that moment on, trying to be myself, and recognizing who I was, was a journey for me. And a year or so later, I met John at uni. And he, most of you know, the first time he saw me, I was a bleary mess with mascara and everything running because I was still grieving my mum's death. And it happened to be we in a church and um, amazing worship time. And I was just in a blubbery mess. I was quite good at it. I got quite used to it. Didn't have an issue with it. But as we got to know each other, and we were really good friends, I never wanted to admit that I liked him because I was too scared that if he saw the real me, the one with no, no bravado, the one that was vulnerable as well as outgoing, 
he wouldn't actually want me and that rejection would be too much. So it was great. He was at arm's length. We were great, great friends. We went everywhere together. We got accused of dating about four times, which we kept going, no. And I was harsh. And I just said, no, he's too ugly, too short and too hideous. And I wouldn't go out with him as the last man on earth. That's true. That is true. Half our uni friends will back me up. That is what I used to say to him. Publicly, this wasn't even a private thing. I would declare it to people. Excuse me and John. Uh, we're just friends. Too short, too ugly, too hideous. He's not actually shorter than me, though. That was just me being rude. Yeah, I know. But that was how much I had to protect my heart. I had to make sure he didn't get to be there because that could get too painful. And then he told me he was going out with my friend. Oh, oh. He came around and told me. I already knew because I'd seen them holding hands sneaky in church. That was the worst church service of my life. I could tell you what the chair looked like in front of me because I didn't stop staring at it for a whole service. And he came and told me. And I went, I'm so angry. And he went, are you? And I went, don't be stupid. And I turned around. I carried on working on my computer. Yeah. So I just told him I wasn't very happy about it. And he went, really? And I went, no. Carry on. It's fine. And when he left, I broke down in tears. But I wasn't going to admit that I liked him. That was too, that was too close. I didn't want that pain. But in time, they obviously split up. It was great. And um, not for him, but it's good for me. And obviously we got together, and that was 18 years ago. But there's a verse in Ephesians 2.10 that says this. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God knows our heart. He knows what he's created but sometimes we put barriers up, we start modifying his creation, we think we can make it better. I think we're all aware that we need to be more like Jesus. For those of us that are already Christians, we know that we've got a journey to walk. But Tommy had to give God permission to chisel those bits away. God doesn't just come at us with a hammer and chisel and start tapping bits off you. We have to give permission for him to start working in our lives. Like a father disciplines a child, and I yelled at um, um, Doris on, on, th- on Friday, absolutely yelled at her with Josh because she was about to run in the road after a ball. And then she looked at me, utterly petrified. I was like, it's okay, you've done the right thing, you stopped. But we had to discipline her, we had to catch her attention so she didn't put herself in danger. I want you just to pause for a minute and let these five words... Just meet your heart. I want in your head to say, I am God's original masterpiece. Let that just sit in your heart. You are, whether you know God or not, he made you. Whether you've loved him for years or you're just getting to know him, you are an original masterpiece. There's no one to compare you to. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You can never let God down because it's him who holds you up. You are God's beautiful creation. And every person sitting here has a part to play at PHCC. Everybody here has got a role to be in. God just wants you to know 
that you are the right shape for him. There's nothing else you have to measure up to or compare yourself to. You are God's original masterpiece. He didn't make junk. He's not making junk. He's been with you in the pain. And he wants to keep walking with you. And even those of you right now are sitting with your head thinking, I'm not a masterpiece, I'm a failure, I'm a mess up, I'm a, I'm a screw up, I've done these things. God's offering you peace. God's offering you freedom. God's offering you forgiveness. And his love is always on offer for you. So I ask you just to receive these words from him. You are my creation. You are my original masterpiece. And I love you. Heavenly Father, we just commit this morning to you. And I thank you. You are just incredible. And you see our mistakes. And Lord God, when we're sorry, you forgive. And you set us free. And they don't have to drag us down or hold us under. Because you make us fresh, Lord God. You make us clean. You make us a new creation. And you forget our past, Lord God. And you offer us love time and time again. So, Father, I pray you'd speak to our hearts this morning. You'd encourage us, Lord God, that you don't make junk. That you only work with original masterpieces. And, Father, if our heads have dropped this morning with guilt or fear or shame, Lord Jesus, lift our chins. Lift up our chin, Lord God, to look into your face, to see your eyes of love, to see your smile, to receive your hug. And Father, if we know there's areas of our lives that we haven't given over to you, we haven't given you control, then God, give us that courage to do that. And we give you permission, Lord God, to work in our hearts. Father, thank you for your promises. You'll never leave us or forsake us.